listeners, this is Trish Gross Brewer. John Brewer. And you are listening to Up To and Including Death, a new TV show podcast. We signed a deal. What? Yeah, we signed that TV deal since the last time we recorded, remember? No. It's like a really big deal because they're starting that production company up here in the UP. Nope. And all I had to do was send them a check for $5,000. Oh, said a Nigerian prince. I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, remember? We talked to him on the phone. I didn't, no. He must have been pretending. Oh, you were sleeping. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm sure he's gonna, like, he's fine. He's coming. (laughs) He's moving in, and he's gonna start a TV studio based upon our podcast. No idea. Oh, well, (laughs) this is the happily married couple coming to you, not live, I guess. We're live, alive now. Live to tape. We're not live to tape, but we are taping and we're live. Live to tape. We're live to tape coming to you, and we're here to talk to you about Stephen King. Yeah, we're going to another uh, Stephen King we are, uh, and we're going to a Stephen King project uh, that's based on a book that I've heard from multiple people that they don't like to read horror books, but this is not just their favorite Stephen King book, but their favorite book. It is an amazing book. My favorite Stephen King book, for sure. Probably my top three all-time of books in general. Now you read this again pretty recently, didn't you? No, it's been a very long time. Oh, I thought you were doing a reread of Stephen King. Yeah. But that was, so it was probably a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. I've never read it. I started reading it, and I thought I could finish it before we got to this, but, you know, it turns out that wedding planning and honeymooning take up a lot of time. Yeah, they do. And I am only about a dozen chapters in, and there's many more chapters to go. Yeah, it's an extremely long book. And there's a lot of characters. There are. And a lot of these characters end up dead. Um, no spoilers. I'm not telling you. You're not going to tell me? No. Well, I know that, like, I got to learn about this couple that were having a hard time with each other, and, like, and the, but the husband went and grabbed the wife and the kid. He's like, we got to go! And he's the one who probably spread it initially. No spoilers. That's pretty fire. Well, I mean, like, are we spoiling? Okay, <laughs> so kidding. we will be watching Stephen King's The Stands. The 1994 miniseries. The 1994 miniseries uh, based upon the book. Yes. There's is that Anubis in the picture? No spoilers. Oh, I guess I. <laughs> so part one is called the plague. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know, but I feel like I it might hit a little bit close to home, John. I think it will now. Yeah. So uh, I've been. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I've just heard a lot of people say that this uh, takes on a whole new meaning after living Whoa. in a pandemic. I'm looking forward to it. I've been listening to last podcast and the last left. There's recent series is on the plague, like the bubonic plague, yeah. the pneumonic plagues. And uh, so I am all plagues all the time right now. Perfect. It'll be right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And so I just learned a lot about what happened in France after the plague started. And I'm going to be interested to see. And everything much... was fine, right? Yeah. It's what's what I found interesting when I learned today, which I'm not surprised by because I never thought about the timing. Like, you know, about the Jewish pogroms. And, like, how Christians would kill Jews on, like, uh, over Easter time because there was this sort of, like, 
rumor that Jews were sacrificing Christians. It's called blood, the blood libel or something like that. Um, anyway, the, they, this, the rumor was that the Jews would sacrifice Christian children at Passover. And so there'd be these pogroms every Easter, basically. And I'd never knew that they kind of, those particular types of pogroms and that particular rumor started as a result of the plague and people blaming Jewish communities, um, even though they were dying just as much of the plague as everybody else. However, a lot of countries, they had a much higher death toll because of all these Christians killing their Jewish populations. So a lot of Jews were displaced and killed during the plague. So I'm wondering if uh, Stephen King had done a little bit of research. It's quite possible. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm interested. I'm trying to look at your face to see parts of the book I haven't gotten to yet. So, no. But you're not giving anything away. No. Well, the miniseries will definitely give things away. Well, yeah. Like but the entire book. I think, though, the first part of it is not going to give away much more than I've read. Okay. I think I'm about a fourth way done. Yeah, well, this would be about a fourth way through the... Yeah. Because it's four-part miniseries. It'll probably make it easier for me to, like, know the characters' names. And this will be a four-part episode. We're not going to make you sit here while we watch six hours of well, a miniseries. I think we could make them... Guys, don't you want to sit here for six hours of us talking about plagues? No. No. No, I think four parts would be perfect. Yeah. For about an hour and a half for each segment of this miniseries. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's going to be a lot to talk about in this. Especially when we find things that correlate to our current situation. Yeah, I think so. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we turn to some more information, I want to pivot. Just a little pivot. Jeremy pivot? Nope. Just regular p- <laughs> I think it's Jeremy Piven. It is Jeremy Piven. Wasn't he also, he was in this TV show called Cupid, and I just was like, loved that show, but it only had like four episodes. He was in one of my favorite movies. Yeah? PCU. Oh. He was the fantastic character. It's weird to think that Jeremy Piven, in my mind, has been the same this whole time. Except for he has more hair now. Yeah, well, I mean, that's fair. He's got more money, so you get more hair. But David Spade was so young looking, and now... And now he looks very, very old. I mean, he just doesn't look like Jeremy Piven, who looks kind of the same. Yeah. I think there's a kind of face that you get, that like some faces you just kind of look the same. Like H. John Benjamin. Or a certain picture of a certain... John, no, talking about that, I found I uh, was now that I'm now an official stepmother. It's easier to take kids to school, and I took one of the kids to school for to get a laptop or something for a school related thing recently. And at the high school you went to, all of the seniors for the last 30, 40 years are Much well, 50 that. or 60 years are in pictures on the wall. And I said to our oldest kid, I wish I knew what year your dad graduated. And he narked on you so hard immediately and mm. said, Dad's right there. Yep. And I found the most beautiful picture of you where all the hair from your beard was on top of your head. And yeah. there was no hair on your face. And you looked like you were in prison at an, in, being interviewed, like, this, in juvie. I was a soap opera villain. You looked like you had a mullet, but, like, a high mullet. Yeah, I went from soap opera villain to biker movie villain. Or no, uh, biker movie good guy. 
Yeah, you're the guy that stands up and in, the, in like they think and like when a girl's being harassed and they think that that you're the big guy that's going to be a jerk or whatever, but you're the guy that punches the bad guy. Sure, I'll take and that. And just like wanders off into the night because you're a hero. All right. My right. husband, the biker hero. But I'm not a biker though. Just... No, absolutely not. You're not allowed. <laughs> no. So should I tell the people what happened on the uh, on the street? the other night Uh, if you would like i was not there you weren't there so john was at work and i was up late because i'm so i'm professoring this summer and i've got some classes starting on monday so i was up late working on right recording lectures it's quiet time so and uh so i was up at 1 a.m and i'm an old lady so i'm not usually up at 1 a.m and i hear a crash and it sounded like someone hit my car outside the street because our bedroom's on the main floor of the house and so I went out to check on my car with the phone just to take a picture because there's a street light right in front of our house. I went out to check and there's a, a child, a 14-year-old child, face down in the road, a moped on its side in the road, and like I'm seeing other children running up. And so I had my phone, I go grab shoes and call 911. And before, like I, I get back and all these kids, like some of them are drunk. I'm not sure if Moped Kid was drunk, but he definitely was concussed because his face, he was face down. His friends kept trying to pull him up and then they grabbed him up and scooped him up and took him. And I was sitting there on the phone with 911, like describing the kid. I'm like, and he had blood gushing, just like all down his face. He looked like he was wearing a big red mask because it was all blood. And so I was like, please stay. You're not in trouble, but he needs to go to the hospital. (laughs) And so finally the cops came. Um, they didn't, the, I, we live pretty close to a police station. So the police were there probably within 45 seconds of my phone call, but the kids had all scooped up this guy, the, the, scooped up their friend and wandered off into the night and their more sober friends came back for the moped. But luckily the more sober friends were responsible. I don't even know if they were drinking at all, the sober ones, but like they were responsible and they, they knocked on them hard. So we were able to, the cops were able to find the kid and uh, I don't know what he's doing. I hope he's okay, but yeah. That was quite the night. So no mopeds for our kids. <laughs> or you it. or me. I don't want us to die. No motorcycles. Someday. Nope. I love you too much. He's well, looking at me. So <laughs> like John's like funny stares uh, are not, uh, they don't really go well on the uh, recording device. Do you yes. like what I did there? What yeah. I called it? Yes, that's what it is. Oh, so I was very grateful to have been awake because I was worried if I hadn't have been there, those kids would have just taken their friend home and put him in bed. And then, you know, after having that type of injury. Uh, so hopefully the cops are able to get him into the hospital. So the real reason we Jeremy Pivened was to talk about some Brewers Brews. That was kind of probably, it might not be my grossest corner. I imagine that the worst grossest corner is going to come in the show. But that was in person and a lot of blood. There was like a puddle of blood on the ground that the cops cleaned up. But do you think it's going to be gross? No, this was a made-for-TV miniseries from 1994. Because the description in the book is pretty gross. don't remember it well enough to know if it gets gross. Oh, okay. Um, What are you drinking, John? I am drinking Founders All Day Vacay. You're on it's vacay. <laughs> For one day. For one day. Poor John had to work on Saturday. And he works nights. So that means that he couldn't really have fun today. 
But that so, does mean that when I'm sleeping, you get to play hockey. Yep, I'll just be up playing video games all night. Yes, I'm grocery shopping in the butt crack of dawn. Yay! I'm drinking coconut water, 100% organic, not from concentrate. <laughs> the great value. Can I give a drink. shout out to Great Value. I know, man. Walmart needs to sponsor us. Wouldn't that be insane? I don't think Walmart does. I don't think they do. But what sponsor. if we were the one podcast that Walmart was like, yes, they get it. Yeah, push our our generic coconut water can we i know this is not appropriate but i just want to give a shout out to that walmart card we have so john and i live in a very rural area and there's basically we have grocery stores but walmart is where you go to get most of your stuff was it hard to get things before when you were growing up before walmart came in oh yeah it was just like you'd have to go down to marquette we had two small town grocery stores and that was it that was it no amazon or anything no you didn't have any restaurants i mean you had some small restaurants but restaurants we had lots of bars oh but i was too young to drink then oh and by the time i got to age half the bars closed yeah but there's a walmart and now there's something like 40 businesses over there which is kind of like the opposite of what walmart's do in other places but here they put a Walmart in and then all these businesses propped up around it. But so when we talk about stuff we buy, it's either from Amazon or Walmart because those are the places that are close to us. But this Walmart card, we just because that's where we get a lot of what we buy, like shopping and, and household stuff, like we get so much cash back and we just bought a bed for one of the kids and most of it was paid with the Walmart card. It was like a two hundred dollar bed. We got a hundred and thirty dollars. And that was just in the last two months because we've already gotten back to like $250. Yeah. We only have had it less than a year. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Instead of, I mean, otherwise just paying in cash. But I'm liking this cash back situation. <laughs> yep. Okay. We might cut this out if we decide not to support credit cards from Walmart. I mean, it's hard to like... Let's talk about the big business, but honestly, like, now the kid's going to have a nice fancy bed with some drawers underneath and not be sleeping on the ground. She chose to sleep on the ground. Well, she wasn't sleeping on the ground. She just didn't have a bed frame. She had she the option. mattresses on the floor. Yeah, she had the option. But it's I, not horrible she's sleeping on the ground. No, she's sleeping I in a house on mattresses. Before she wanted the the bed inside the closet. So she had a bed. I think you guys got rid... No, we had like extra beds. We got rid of one of the beds because one of the kids was sleeping in a closet. That was a big closet that, sh- that uh, she had refitted into like a gaming bedroom. Yeah. Very tiny. But now she just has a gaming closet. Yeah. And and the bed is outside the closet. It worked nice for her for her age, but as she matured, she wanted something more grown up, I guess. Yeah, 14. Mm-hmm. They grow up so fast. I'm glad she's on a bed, though. But they all wanted mattresses on the floor, and I'm like, whatever. Like, <laughs> I was a single dad trying to just make everybody happy. And then, like, your your wife comes in. <laughs> like, you can't sleep on the floor. Clean up your room and do this. But, you know, I think that... Picking your battles as a single dad is probably... It was massive, because I was quadrupled, overpowered. Yeah. So it was like, if it's not dangerous, I'm going to just try to <laughs> compromise. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cute now, because a lot of times when the kids get stuff, they thank me. And they've done this, like, the whole time since we started dating. But, like, I'm not... Like, most of the time, it's your idea for things, but I get the credit. Yeah, because I couldn't do it when you weren't here. No, yeah, I mean, it's like a time situation. It's a lot easier in a timing and planning thing, I think. But, okay, so I digress. By the way, married life is great. Mm-hmm. I love it. 
So far, so good. I say my husband a lot. That's the biggest change in my everyday life is that I mention my husband instead of my boyfriend or my fiance. I get to say, oh, my husband did this. And it seems so like adult. (laughs) I talk about my husband. John bought me some uh, very delicious looking fiber cookies that I had asked him to buy that were like $9 or whatever, $8 or whatever. And it turns out that they had oat husk in it. And I was like, I wonder if I'm allergic to this because I'm allergic to oats. And John's like, I'm pretty sure that's probably the thing in oats you're most allergic to. And sure enough, it's like the protein something or other that's in oats that most people have reactions to. And I was like, oh, this would have been like poison bar. But I returned it and got some chocolate ones. And I got to say it to the people at Walmart <laughs> at the at the checkout, uh, at the customer service, because it was kind of a weird item because it's a technically a pharmacy item. And so, and I guess in their system it's different. I didn't have the receipts and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, my husband bought this. But he didn't notice that I'm allergic to one of the ingredients. And the lady's like, rolls her eyes. And it's like, husbands. And I'm like, I know. And I'm like, I didn't want to be like, I've only had one for like two weeks. But it's pretty great to say that because you did a really nice thing for me. And I'm the one who told you to buy the specific thing. You got the exact thing that I asked you to get. And I'm the one who didn't look at the ingredients. So that's a my bad. Yeah, and I took the blame for... You took the blame and I got some uh, chocolate brownies. But you know, the nice thing, is I, I just want to give everyone, so everyone knows, John does check the ingredients for most of the things he buys. But I imagine that you didn't even think about I it. didn't, because I just bought the exact thing that you wanted. Yeah, I said I had an exact thing that I wanted to try. And it turns out that I can, can't even try if I wanted to get... Um, What's that fiber thing uh, that people put into their drink? Metamucil. Yeah, Metamucil. It's made with oat fiber. And so it's poison fiber, basically. Yeah, it'll make you poop, that's for sure. No, that's the one that just makes everything hurt. Oh, yeah. fun. Yeah. So, and speaking of poop, this plague that we're going to learn about is pretty bad. It's pretty gross in the book. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, pretty brutal. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, let's hear a little bit of information, maybe. <gasps> Gary Sinise is in it? Yes. The one thing about this is the amount of characters that are in this, because in the book and in the the show. Holy crap, that's a big cast. I saw a list. I think it said 125 speaking roles. Oh my gosh. 125 speaking roles. But I mean, the list of people that you know, Gary Sinise and Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Laura Sanchia Cuomo. Yes. Corin Nemec, Rob Lowe. Oh my gosh. The guy who does the voice of Patrick Starr. And this was like when it was kind of Rob Lowe was trying to get work and he had a hard time. Yeah. Who's the name of the guy who does the voice of Patrick Starr? You're going to make me say it. Yeah. It's like, it's Bill Fogerbake. Oh. Sorry. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in it. What? Joe Bob Briggs is in it. Nice. Well, Stephen King, John yeah. Landis, Sam Raimi, wow. Tom Holland, Kathy Bates, Ed Harris. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean. Tom Holland? It must be a tiny baby in this. A like, different Tom Holland. Oh, okay, different Tom Holland. This is the one who was in, like, The Shining. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I love that Bill Corso is credited as the voice of the corpses. Corpses have voices? In the stand, they do. Oh, man, this makes me feel a little bit vindicated because I was like. But- like every time I go to pick the stand back up, I'm like, was I like in another mental state when I was reading this? Who's this character? It's because it's a brand new character that's been picked up. But you know that I think that really goes to show Stephen King's like he's so masterful at 
introducing you to someone significant that when they made the TV version of this, everyone, all these people have to be in it and have speaking roles because they're significant. It's so, it's so good at making people people. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I remember loving this miniseries when it came yeah. out. I was partial to it because of how much I liked the book, but I remember this being pretty stellar. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the reviews, other people think so. There was another miniseries done of this in 2020, which oh. I have not seen. A little, but, little, little close to home for that to be coming out in 2020. Yeah, but the newest reviews of it, all of this version, I'll go back and say, watch this one, not the new one. Watch this one. Okay. And it's like, fine, I'll watch this one because I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. And how can you pass on this cast? Gosh, it's such a big cast of all amazing people. It has a 7.2 rating on IMDb. Wow, that is so high. I mean, what? that's so high for anything horror. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, people like this a lot. And on Rotten Tomato, it has a 70% for critics and a 65% for audience score. Wow. I mean, so. and again, this is with the caveat that this doesn't have, this isn't a heartthrob kind of thing. This is a very long miniseries yeah, it's about a plague. And to have that high of a score for anything that's about something that's gross or a horror movie is pretty great. I'm surprised the audience score is so low. But yeah. it's from 1994, and sometimes, and I wonder if I'm a, sure it's going to feel dated. Oh I mean, yeah, I mean it's in the old four three format, and so some people just might not like it just by uh, aesthetics alone. Well, I just want to give a shout out to my mama and to my aunt Susu, who both adore the stand. They both love it. Neither of them read much any could read any more Stephen King after Cujo. But they love the stand in this miniseries. Yeah, that's, I mean, changing this book or reading this book kind of changed how I looked at books. Like, I was afraid. It was a daunting task. Mm-hmm. I mean, the unabridged version is like 1,300, over yeah. 1,300 pages. And I had read this as probably a teenager. Mm. Like, I can't read a book that this, that's this long. And it was I so good. I don't know good. that many words. It was so good. I could not put it down, and it didn't look like any book after that seemed challenging. What's exciting for me is that we're going to watch this and probably not record the next episode tonight because I've got to do more um, more school stuff. But I can then just read the book until we record again. Yeah, that would That's be, gonna be yeah. awesome. That's probably because yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen any dream stuff yet. So that's part two. I wonder the dreams. what I'll be curious about since you were watching part of this that you've read and then reading it. Are you going to visualize these characters while you're reading it in their voices? Because I'm sure you have a mental image of what they look like now. So when I read books, I don't have mental images of faces. I have, like, I have the images. This is interesting. I'm curious for you about this, too. Because when I read books, I have, um, as I'm reading the story, if I have mental images at all, it's just kind of the shapes of the, like, the, the bodies and the and the other th- other things around. So, for example, in um, reading Carrie, even though I've seen the movie Carrie multiple times, I didn't see, what's that actress's name? Sissy Spacek. I didn't see Sissy Spacek. When I read Carrie, well, first the character was described so differently, yeah. but I didn't see that particular face. Stephen King talks about um, in his on writing. He has this really great segment when he's talking about writing and, and being descriptive, and he says, "Okay, I want you to picture a an ornate birdcage, and and then it goes on and on, and it goes down to I want you to picture 
a white rabbit and with red eyes and I want you to picture a blue number eight in pin ink written on the on the side of the white rabbit and what he was saying and this is again I wrote that I read this when I was in high school so and that's not my list of things to read <laughs> this summer anyway but what he was saying was everyone probably has a different image of the table of the lamp of the room of the of the big bird cage this rabbit's in but the description of the white rabbit with red eyes that's an identical rabbit that everyone sees. Everyone can see this rabbit. Like like everyone has that exact rabbit in their head and that number 8 with the red with the particular blue ink is probably just as descriptive. And so he was talking about the importance of descriptive writing but also not doing too much and I think that what I when I'm reading I can picture oh, a white rabbit more than I can the face of a character or voice of a character. Oh, I think I, I read and I get descriptive what I think mm-hmm. they look like down, down to everything, like the way they dress even. I think about the feeling of being there. Like, I'm really into... Uh, one thing I like about Cormac McCarthy, he's the one who did The Road and Blood Meridian, and both of those are really hard to read. They're hard to read, very vicious, but... It's just that eating of the scenery, like the description of the of being there. You could really feel it. You can taste things. You can like f- when I read something, I'm in the world, and the and I can see the clothing, feel the clothing, and stuff like that. But I don't even like maybe the the hair in the face. I'm just I've never realized this before, but I never really picture it. Even oh, I- reading Jane Austen and who I love, and I've read Persuasion so many times it's my favorite book but i don't have a picture of the characters in my head and i always seem to be off of what when there's a movie adaptation of a book except for breakfast of champions yeah the kurt vonnegut book yeah they made a movie about it they did yeah i think bruce willis was in it wasn't that just like a very short book no it was well it was was an average i guess it's like his novel i think bruce willis was in it but it was like almost every character I had imagined yeah. almost to a T of who they cast. I'm wow. like, this is like, and then I was like, did Vonnegut describe the characters like so specifically that you have the same mental image as yeah. the, the creators of this film was? Or like, you were just really vibing with the casting directors. And it might why? have been, but most yeah. of the time that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think but, Harry Potter was probably the closest because there's actual cartoons of Harry Potter and they picked uh, like a kid that looked just like the cartoon. But I specifically remember rereading this after I watched this mm-hmm. miniseries and I did picture the characters in my head as I was reading that were in this miniseries. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few times I've seen the movie and then read the book. But like I did it the- before. You know, I read the book, saw the miniseries, read the book again. Yeah. And then I pictured all the characters as they were in the miniseries. I think that if I were to read Carrie again, I might think of Carrie's mom with the same hairdo as Carrie's mom in the movie. But what I am looking forward to in this is I think it's going to be easier to remember who the characters are if I watch this t- this episode now. I, I think and so. so when I read it, it's going to be a little bit easier to keep it in my mind. A part of it is that I read, so- I read a few chapters and then Life is Busy... And then it was like a week later that I read some more and I'm like, what's happening? And so I had to go back and read some, I'm like, oh, this is what's going on. This is who this is. But also things happen so quickly in the beginning because it's in the beginning of the book, it's talking about really the, the origins of this plague. And you're, you're going to do, seeing what's happening at the same time with different people. So, and then you go back again to see what it's like for the military version of what's yeah. been going on. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. 
And that is really interesting that yeah. you that you picture so much. Do you feel like you're in the in the book, or like do you feel like do you have any sensory things about it? I don't, I don't feel like I'm in the book. Yeah. But no, it's almost like watching a movie when I read a okay. book. Okay. When you listen to music, do you feel is that more of a sensory experience than just hearing it? Yeah. Yes, okay. for sure. So what is that like? What do you mean? Like, so is it just hearing, like, what does it feel like oh, to... Oh, no, yeah, I have... Depends on what it is I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sometimes it's just a relaxing feeling. Yeah. Like, if you hear, like, oddly, like, Goldfinger, yeah. the pop punk band, always relaxes me. Like, I don't know what it is about it. But, like, I listen to Five Finger Death Punch, and I just want to move faster. And just, Yeah, it, like, yeah. you feel that in you. Yeah. Yeah, I I never realized that people read books differently, but enjoy them the same. Like, you love reading, I love reading, but we have a very different experience when we're actually reading. Well, we have a very different experience for music, too. We do. Like, I, I can really get into I can just close my eyes and listen to music. Anything. Classical. Yeah. Old country. Metal. It's just, I'll just sit and feel it. Yeah. But... I know yeah, you don't do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of feelings, and so I can't. <laughs> I only have feelings when I listen to music. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well, we're going to pause. The dog has been moaning at the door this whole time. We thought if we let if we shut the door, then she wouldn't be as She could hear us talking and wants to be in the same room as but us. But she also just wants to just be a butthead. Usually. All right. Uh, should we do this? Yeah. All right. Okay, I'm not saying that Stephen King has a fetish. He probably does. Well, I mean, who doesn't? But this is the second movie that we've watched of his. That And the second one where someone has put a disgusting, bloody hand on someone's face. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it looks cool. It does look really cool. So, we start off on a beautiful day in Texas at a secured facility... A military facility. Yeah. And then, uh... People start dying. People start dying. Now, what I found interesting about this is that in the miniseries, the way that it's portrayed is there's, like, kind of a a dude that's at the gate. And he hears that he has to close the gate, and the alarm's going off. And so he freaks out. He goes, runs to get his wife and kid, grabs them, and he goes. Yes. Right? And he gets to the gate just as it's closing. In the book... I don't think he was a guard there. I think that he was working... He wasn't working in the lab, but he was just kind of... A, if he was an MP or something, it was closer to the to the actual lab. So he knew a little bit more about what was going on. So, because in the book, he was wondering, like, the direction of the wind and wanting to drive in the opposite of the direction of the wind and was already coughing and stuff like that when that was going on. So, um, so... Oh, this is a much easier way to do it on screen. Yeah, so, so it's really interesting because you see the these people like the the all the doors are locked. So inside the facility itself, they did a really good job of containment. But the dude at the gate that just needs to shut the gate has run off. Yes, and when he was as the gate was closing, they drove through, and he hit the gate, and it stopped closing. Yep. Yep. So. So we, now there's going to be more people going to be go, able to go in and out. But this fella has shown up in Arnett, Texas now, in his car, with Gary Sinise. 
Yes, working at a gas station. Looking good. He's, he's clean. He's so clean working at a gas station. I guess Texas doesn't count as the South. You or... know, I did notice something recently. Okay. So uh, in my other life as an Affleck agent, I was in a machinist shop recently. And I got there in the morning. I was there all day. And by like 2 p.m., some of the guys were coated and I don't know, I, the guys that were drilling. So the guys, the welders were all clean and had clean fingernails and they looked great. But the guys that were doing the act of drilling did were covered in dust and yeah. dirt and stuff. Now, they weren't sweating because there's AC in that facility because the owners are not monsters. But I imagine that if you were drilling in a fabricating shop all day, you could get that dirty. But you know what those guys do when they go home? They take a shower. Yeah. And they don't just sit around sweating outside looking like that. And so, again, we've got a clean mechanic, Garrisonese. That reminded me of a joke. You can cut this out if you want. Uh-huh. But uh, how can you tell when a mechanic got lucky? What? How? He's got one clean finger. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I gotta. Well, if we're gonna keep in this, we gotta keep in the poop stuff. So, uh, okay. <laughs> well, we there's a reason why we always click on the explicit tab. So, oh, yeah, just in case, right? <laughs> One clean finger. That's so gross. Isn't it though? That's Sorry. so gross. I met one of my um. I was one of my things that I like. I met a mechanic who had degloved one of his fingers, and so he had gotten an accident policy and a short-term disability policy right before. And degloving is when all the goo comes, all the meaty parts come off of the bone. Um, and he did it being very heroic. Actually, it was an accident during the time that he was volunteering his time and saving people and stuff. But he had degloved it. And his policy had just gone into effect like two days before. And so he's got all the money coming from the accident. And like for him, he's like, let's just cut off the finger and call it a day. But it's like, no, dude, like Affleck wants you to get a surgery and fix it. And this is why we give you this money. But he can't work for three months because you can't as a mechanic. And if you have an open wound on your hand. But luckily, he just signed up for for um, for for not unemployment. It's um, short term disability. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty good. It was a really nice. I've never, I never understood how great short-term disability was until then. Yes, Lola's being very cute and is going to oh, jump no. on top of my Yeah, drink. she's going to jump down on you. Yeah, she might jump down on Star. That's going to be interesting. He's got very intent look. Yeah. On his kitty cat. All right. Uh, so I don't think there's too much. Uh, oh, so the the car runs into the gas the the gas pumps. Yeah. And the funny thing is, we were just talking about things in the book and things in our minds. The guys talking around, the feeling of the guys talking around and shooting the shit and stuff like that, that feeling is exactly de- depicted here. A lot of the, the words are the same, too. They, they use a lot of Stephen King's dialogue in this in this so uh, far. Stephen King wrote the teleplay for this. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And then um, the pumps... I didn't quite imagine the pumps, but them, but the car running into the pumps. So the car runs into the pumps, the car full of the diseased people that we now know, because the the dad is like crawling out of the car with his all sweat and squishy. One of the guys says, "Do you think he looks like that because of the accident?" And like, I don't think so. Gary Sinise just is like, "Come here, plague baby, let me let me cradle you and have you." Wipe your bloody well, hands all over me. That's Lieutenant Dan for you. Lieutenant Dan. Man. What else is he... I mean, he's been a lot. Do you yeah. ever see the movie Snake Eyes? 
I don't think so. That kind of broke my heart as a kid because he plays the bad guy, and I'm just like, I but he's Gary Sinise as Lieutenant Dan. Well, he was kind of a bad guy as Lieutenant Dan for a while. I mean, he's he was a, very mean to to people, but he was. But he had like a lot of he has he had a, a lot big of heart. heart. Yeah, for sure. And then he at the end he gets metal legs and a pretty wife. Yeah, and all things are coming up, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. He invested in apples. Delicious apples. Yeah, his turning point was with the hookers. And Forrest didn't like how they tasted. Sex workers. What? Sex workers. Sex workers? Yeah. We can talk about why that is off camera, but like, or off film. I don't want off. To. Well, you're going to have a little lesson. Oh. Oh. Well, whatever. That was a turning point for his character. I gotta tell you, if you want to know the difference of why we say sex workers, all you have to do is listen to last podcast on the left and listen to their episode on Picton's Pigs. Because then you can see why, like this, it's really fascinating in the change in their podcast. When they like, when they do Picton and the guy that murdered all the sex workers and fed him to his pigs... And the, he got away yeah, with it for like Canada. 20 years in Canada. Yeah. He got away with it in tw- for 20 years because the women going missing were like just sex workers and drug addicts and stuff. And they're called like the less dead. Well, and no so one, the police they, didn't they care about him. They not anybody looking for him either. Well, yeah, but the police, they knew about the, like of the people that were missing, the police were actually, were not investigating. They were actually friends with that asshole. And so it's one of the problems is that police at the time at least did not see sex workers as really like fully human and part of it is the use of words like hooker instead of... And so one of the reasons of using something like sex workers is putting work in the title so that it's not who they are, it's just what they do. So, like, you're an engineer, but I wouldn't be like, that's not all who you are. Oh, You've well, also got a pretty cool beard. Does prostitute still work? Process dude? Prostitute. Is that still cool, or is it... I think that mostly we say sex worker. profession. Prostitution? Yeah, I think we mostly say... Um, Sex worker, because if you think about a prostitute, a hooker, both of those words just kind of put the person into this category of other. Whereas a sex worker, there's a lot, it's a bigger category too. And uh, and the whole goal is to kind of keep in mind that they're people. Yeah, they're people. It should be a legal profession too. But no, I totally agree. I totally thing. agree. Legal tax and, and then get people like... Uh, Health checkups and stuff like, like in, that. Like in Nevada. Have it be safer. Like in Nevada. Yeah. And instead, it's like, let's get rid of th- anything that keeps it safe. Like, when they got rid of the Craigslist stuff, it was really hard for a lot of sex workers because a safe way to do sex work, in theory, would be if you could do checks on people online first. Not that online is safe, but it's certainly a lot better than being out on the streets. And so that Craigslist, like, when people are using it for sex work was a lot safer and then and they were able to not have to go through john not have to go through pimps and things like that we still say pimp because they're bad guys oh yeah yeah there's a lot of reasons they're bad i don't know enough about them yeah anywho uh that was feminism corner (laughs) but uh picton's picton's what about male sex workers that wouldn't be feminism corner. I think it's just equal rights corner. Well, feminism is about equal rights. So the whole point of it, and so one of the things about feminism is that it shows you not only the way that society's you, messing up against women, it's also messed up against men. So you can't say gigolo anymore? I mean, does anyone actually say gigolo? Deuce Bigelow did. I mean, that was 20 years ago. Oh. I don't progress with the times. I did see that movie. Both of them? 
I saw the first one. He doesn't have sex with any of those people. No. No, he just wants her time. Again, I think this is one of those false equivalency problems where people will say, but what about gigolo? you using that term. Not that you said it that way, but the, the thing is that we didn't have as much of a... I mean, there is a problem with male sex workers in the same way not being treated as seriously by the police, especially if because male sex work, workers often are in sex work um, for other men. And so they're gay or they're, or they're considered gay and therefore for a very long time murderers were able to get away with just straight up murdering dudes because they weren't like real. I mean, I'm just looked at the time. We've been talking for a long yeah. time. Okay, well this is taking a sad yeah. turn. Let's go back Let's to the go. fun gory stuff. Again. Yay! Fun gory stuff. It's nothing but a souped-up version of the flu. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> so, we saw the most decorated general. Very young to be a general. I don't think he's a general. Okay. The guy sitting down was a general. Okay. So, this dude shows up to the general's office in full dress uniform with braids and everything. Yeah, it's odd. It is very odd. Unless I can't... he was coming from an award ceremony. I mean, I could see being pulled from an award ceremony or maybe a graduation. Maybe that's what the point. They want to show how urgent this is that yeah. he left an official event. Yeah, because that is just p- complete bananas that he is uh, dressed like that. So um, we just learned something important that I was confused by. So everybody in the facility was dead. Yeah. Right? And they all looked like they had died where they were sitting, basically. Yeah. But it turns out that they were gassed. It wasn't the disease that killed them so quickly. It's that the facility was rigged if there was a containment breach to just kill everybody in the facility because it was more dangerous to have it get out. And I guess everyone must have signed up for it, even the lunch lady. Yeah. So they all died. And and the rest people that got respirators got to live for 12 minutes, but everyone died in there. Within five minutes. Within five minutes. So everyone died within five minutes that they got the respirators lasted 12 but the facilities in California, and the dude was driving from California to Texas. Yeah. And I'd been confused about this in the book because I couldn't quite get my head right because he hit the, he ends up in Arnett, Texas, pretty much in the middle of the night. It sounds like it's almost the same day, if not the, the next day. But he would have had to stop for gas. It was the next day. Yeah. Because he said, I felt fine until this morning. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. And so in the book, he like coughs a little bit. He goes, <laughs> like as he's picking up his wife. So it's not a kill you in five minute flu. It's no, a kill couple you day. couple days. Well, but she got, she must have got sick more rapidly. His wife. Yes. The wife and the baby died faster. Yep. But this is really interesting thinking about COVID. I know this is like, I mean, is it too soon to talk about how our pandemic is like this? Like, because it's the same kind of thing. If you think about our house, when we all got it, we had a kid who was like, my nose feels funny. We had a kid that was pretty sick. We had one that didn't get it. We yeah. had one a little girl that was pretty sick. And then I was on my butt pretty hard. And then you were on your butt like two days later pretty hard. Yeah. Everyone had it slightly differently. Yeah. Um, you you looked bad. You you turned, actually. A lot like what probably happens in this movie later. I felt like that guy crawling out of the car yeah. when I would go to the yeah. bathroom. When John, um, when I was sick, we were, having been tested, no one, we, they, we weren't quarantined, but one of the kids had been tested. Um, I was feeling pretty sick, and I was watching, and I had been in the bed, and I had been tested. 
and you were on your way out to go to work and you had put on your clothes and I saw the color all drain from your face and you were so white. Yeah, it felt almost instantly where I felt great one minute and I felt like death. And I was like, John, you can't go. And then I left to go to the bathroom and you were passed out on the couch when I came back. Yeah. And uh, and so it got you into bed and it was kind of like, luckily I was a little bit better by then. Not enough to like, I mean, I was still sick for two weeks, but I was able to kind of yeah. order food. I could have been that guy from the start of the plague at work. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I like in that you were better for a couple days, but you probably had the same digestion period as ever the rest of us because we all caught it from the same kid. Yeah. Yeah. But My body just fought harder for a little bit longer. A little bit longer. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, though, because the military guy probably is a lot stronger than his wife and baby. Yeah. You know, but the fact that it kills a baby and a, and a, a housewife and then the dude that probably has to do drill and stuff like that has they a higher immune PT system every morning. And yeah, so he probably has that higher immune system and it gets there. Um, this is going to be such a long podcast, but I'm kind of into it. We're going to have like <laughs> three. You really can long. edit out just the. Just the, the creme de la creme. Yes, just the just the creme de la cremes. All right, let's go. Country don't mean dumb, John. We're just uh, I just wanted to record a little bit while we watch this. Oh. This is a different form of quarantine than we're used to. Just slightly. Yeah, the government has come to this town and locked it down, and uh, and just are throwing people in the back of trucks, and they're wearing masks. Oh, <gasps> they're not very good masks though. You can, like, see through them. Yeah. They're probably... I mean, some of them are wearing, like, gas masks, but I just oh, yeah. wonder... But that guy's got, like, a mesh mask on. Yep. Oh, it's maybe probably... it's solid plastic inside. Yeah, maybe it's... Yeah. It just looks odd. It does look odd, but it does have a respirator on. They talk about wearing respirators, too, in the a little bit earlier on, but... Man, some people have bloody faces. They got punched. Gary Sinise is comforting his neighbor's wife. Yeah, Gary Sinise in the neighbor's coffin. So Gary Sinise hat was already packed and ready to go because he'd been warned by yeah. the cop. And the cop was like told everybody that he hadn't been in Arnett all day. Yeah. Which is kind of lame. Yeah. 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 It yeah. shows you how quickly these pandemics would be shut down if everybody was just honest. Yeah. If the guy would have just closed the gate and died yeah. in there instead of dying in Arnett, Texas. Yeah. And then, I mean... If this cop would have just said, yeah, I was there, I gotta go into the quarantine. Yeah. For... Just actually go along with it. I mean, I think, though, like, it's like that we saw this happen in real life. Yeah. So much. And then with the country people, the country don't mean dumb. It's just, like, not wanting to go... But pe- I think the problem is people treated the pandemic here as if it were this... Yeah. Um, but instead, it was just stay home for a little while and wear this cloth over your face. <laughs> get get COVID from your kid. I heard a cough. Uh, a subtle uh, cough. Yeah. Okay. Choking on beef. Want to look at Molly Ringwald's butt? <laughs> so we've gone through Larry Underwood. Yep. The terrible son. Yep. Has come from California, has blown all of his money, but he's going to be famous. And his disappointed mother. Disappointed mother. Um, and we're in Portland, Maine. Oh, Not- so we're in Portland, Maine. We've got Molly Ringwald, who must be a major character because it's Molly Ringwald. Um, there's a writer that comes up to her and he's written a poem to show her. And he's kind of very, like, very, I, I would like to take you on a date this to the Cineplex. But in the book... 
they were dating and she's pregnant. So I don't. Is she pregnant? I don't. I don't, rem- I don't remember. She's it's pregnant in the book, and she talks about abortions with her dad. Um, Smush Martians. Smush Martians, and then so we've got that to deal with. Just you know, idyllic life. She doesn't look pregnant in this. No, but it's like would have been pretty early on. But um, the character of the writer was seemed like sexier in the in the book. But and maybe I was wrong because if Stephen King was involved, the very very fake red zits all over this kid's face. Yeah, they're trying their best to make him look unattractive. And she says, maybe you'd be better off dating someone your own age. But they look the same age. Yeah, they do. And I in the book, like, she's in high school and he's in... Or she's, like, 18 or 20. And he's, like, in she, grad school, I think. Or college. Yeah, and in real life, she'd probably be, like, 30 right here, right? Really? Well, the Breakfast Club was in... Or not Breakfast Club... What was, was she in Breakfast Club yeah. or was she 16 Candles? She's in both. Okay. But that was like 84, 85. Yeah, but she was like 16. Oh. It just seems like, uh, yeah, if she was 16 then, this is. Well, let's just look up, this is look like up eight how years old older. Molly Ringwald is now. Okay. I will look up Molly Ringwald. She was born in 1968. 60, so she's a decade older than you? Yes, yeah, she is. Oh. And this was 94. Six, so she was 26. Yep. Okay. So not 30, but not no. 20. No. No. Very pretty, though. She's got black hair to show that it's not Molly Ringwald. It's not just 16 Candles Molly Ringwald. No, it's the stand Molly Ringwald. But she does have the same haircut that she always has. Yeah, it She's works. She's got a look. She looks great. I like her. Yeah. I like you. Works well, then, I guess. While John's going to get the dog up from outside, I'm just going to let you know that we were wrong. The, uh, the little boy with the zits was actually supposed to be a little boy, like a teen with the zits that has a crush on the older woman. And Jess, the boyfriend, who is also a writer, is now broken up with Molly Ringwald's character. Hey, John. Yes. So, this is why... The scene that we just saw is, I think, a big part of the reason why my mom was a bit of a a bear mom when it came to my deafness growing up. Oh. Because in the 90s, it was deaf and dumb. You were dumb for not being able to... I mean, this is one of the... When we talked well, about language before... The original definition of dumb means you couldn't speak. It was, yeah. didn't mean that you lacked intelligence. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the idea of, like, deaf and dumb is, like, as if the speaking part mattered. Is If you can communicate, you can communicate, right? So, the, um, so what we've just seen in the show is we've been introduced a character who had a dream of an old woman, 160 years old, in the farm... Uh, and Nebraska, and he wants her to come, and there's also some demon bad guy that's after him, too. He wants him to bring all of his friends. Yep, to see Abigail Fremantle. To see Abigail Fremantle. Rob Lowe got the crap beat out of him. He was walking down the middle of the street alone and got the crap beat out of him by a bunch of toughs who... I don't think they're tough if it took three of them to beat up one. I know, he was doing pretty good on his own. It took three of them to beat beat him up. They were going to kill him almost... But, oh, Nick Andros is his name. Is, yes. So, so yeah, Rob Lowe uh, got the crap beat out of him. He's deaf and dumb. Uh, the cop doesn't even know, like, the, Rob Lowe's character signs at him. He's like, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. 
Okay, that's like, aggressive. How did he not know what sign and language was? And the cop was? is like, oh, yes, I understand this. It is called deafness. It's like, what? And then he's like, how are you going to explain this to me? Like, he never heard of writing. Yeah, when I was a kid, my mom did a lot of work on, like, making sure that I wasn't treated differently. And when I became a teacher, I had to start... I had to start thinking about it in a different way because I had a lot of students with disabilities. And one of the big differences with disabilities now is that um, we're trying to kind of remove some stigma from it. And so I um, finally, for the first time in my life, went to get an accommodation for my deafness, like in 2018. So like three years ago or four years ago when I was working in 2017, when I was working at Drexel because Drexel University in Philly, because there was too much ambient noise in some of the rooms. And I got an ADA accommodation. I mean, not ADA totally, but it's what it's called when it's like you get an accommodation at work just to have a room that wasn't as loud so I can hear my students. And But, you know, I, I really attribute my ability to hear so well to my mother because she kind of did a lot of work on, uh, on that. And she was also very vicious to people that treated me bad if, uh, if I ever got in trouble from being deaf. I got in trouble plenty other times for reasons, but sometimes people, you get in trouble because you don't answer someone, and she would just, like, pounce. Okay. Not on me, on the people yeah. that were not nice. But, yeah, in the 90s, it was people did not have any, like, if you tell people you're deaf or you're hard of hearing, people just start just, like, you know, people are nicer now. I like it. Okay. So we had a little bit more. Now people are wearing masks, and the Ameri- and the Atlanta disease center it was like there was something what it was called before the cdc well it's weird they're calling it that because in the book they're calling it the cdc but they call yeah. it the atlanta disease center saying that you might as well just wear a piece of paper on your face because it doesn't work yeah it couldn't stop a flu virus with a hangover yep and so it, it was a very it's very interesting to see the same thing where people wearing masks and they're thought to be crazy and i remember like when that for people first started wearing masks before the cdc said to do it we were just like, oh, like, I remember being in Walmart with you, and there was, like, a woman in front of us, and she still was, like, being way too close to us the whole time, but she was wearing a mask and gloves, and yeah. it was like, what are you doing? Maybe she'd seen this movie. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> she knew what was to come. Yes, yes. We're all doomed. Doomed. <laughs> Let's keep going. King is so into hyperviolence. You think so? Well, I think of it, and I and I know oh. that there is, and we'll probably eventually watch it. And oh, that'd be really fun to do both the new one and the old one. Yeah. But anyway, like the the idea in the town of Derry, 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 yep, Derry Maine. yeah, that that one actually has an ancient evil that's like kind of everything is bad there. So it kind of makes sense that people are hyperviolent there. Like you get. The gay bashing and that starts off the whole thing, and you just get a lot of um, a lot of violence and domestic abuse and stuff like that. But also in the nineties, things were like there was a lot more violence. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I mean, just statistically, I think. But we just saw like some two guys drinking and driving, and like we're gonna shoot people and we're gonna make a cash withdrawal, and so. They come busting in to, like, rob a convenience store and immediately kill a lady. Like, yeah. immediately. And then the other guy pulls out a freaking Uzi and kills another dude. Yeah. It's totally it's... wild. It is. So, we've actually, even though we've only been a little bit more forward in the show, 
we just took a 20 minute break because we got interrupted by a child uh, with a hurt knee asking for mac and cheese. And I put on a face mask and John did not enjoy that at all. And neither did the kids. No, you look like something from Polar Express. I think <laughs> that's what's wrong. It's just like everything's Un- flattened, it's isn't it? It's the uncanny valley. It's just yep. really, really, really wrong. Yep. Yep. But uh, I was, I just put on a, like it was a citrusy face mask and my face feels so hydrated and soft and good. My pores feel so tiny. But um, I should probably stop touching my face because that's how you get all the oils and stuff from your fingers on your face. But uh, so John doesn't like creepy face masks. That's probably why the fear, the mm-hmm. movie that I mentioned before with yeah. the wooden yeah. Indian thing, just creepy. Yeah, and maybe that's part of it. You're feared of it. So the th- the thing has spread along the route that Campion, who is the champion or whatever, the name of the fella that that left with his kids took to texas so um so this guy stopped at all these places and it's already made it to maine yes the father of molly father molly ringwald was coughing and that's a pretty you know it's so interesting because if i'd seen this before 2020 i would have thought this seems of like how did this they get there so quickly blah blah, blah. but the exact same thing happened with yeah. the covid virus made it from china to the united states well, pretty quickly and it made it very quickly and also people were dropping dead from it before like in i think i believe there was a case in february like they thought it had got gotten the united states in march but there are people that they found they tested the corpses and they had died of covid it, like and not even that they're like oh that their father is from like went to china on recent no it's like just some random woman died in a parking lot yeah. of respiratory syndrome and it was COVID in February, but way before anyone knew it was there. So you get people kind of falling and people not knowing that what it is. And now we have the 24-hour news cycle. Did they have that in 1994? It might have been. Yeah, yeah probably. CNN well, would have just been starting. Well, the stand, though, is written before that. Yes, the stand is written in 78. So And so the CDC did exist in some form, of course. but yeah, 24 um, Hours News was way, way in the future for but that. But I think, they're, are they portraying this as 1994? Yeah, that seems that way. Yeah, the way but, people are dressed. Molly Ringwald wouldn't have dressed like that in 78. Yeah. But even in, in 78, it might take be harder in some ways for it to go. But really, like realistically, a dude drove from California to Texas stopping at all these rest areas yeah and then or mcdonald's or whatever and anyone else that stopped at the same mcdonald's at the same time would have been able to spread it and you'd get these sorts yep. of uh these spreads it's a fascinating thing and you know i feel, I feel like the stephen king guy knows the stuff what do you think it sure seems like it i don't know how i had the time and in in, to like do all this research because he wrote this this was the second year of writing the books thereabouts yeah yeah and this long. is like i don't know Might that his like alcoholism was like crazy was bad at this stage it was not yeah it was i know he said he couldn't remember at all writing cujo yeah that comes of five years after this i think yeah but the stand like it he wrote it and it got edited down quite a bit oh yeah i've read i had first read the uh edited version and i liked it mm-hmm but then when I read the unabridged version, I'm like, the stuff they took out was so important to the story. Yeah. That it made it 
even that much better. Like, you know, I would never recommend reading the edited version of this. I like the TV. It looks like the TV version follows along most of the same beats. And the only thing you're missing is the very amazing internal monologues and dialogues and thinking and thought process and histories between people. But I've got to say, the actors, for the most part, really portray that amazingly. You see what they were doing right before, like when the mother opens the door to her shitty son, or like when the the shitty son is calling his girl back in California, and she's just yeah. like, even her, like she, she's, you, she seems like she's got this background. So I feel like I'm, I'm just very impressed by all the actors in here, and they must have been very much happy to have this kind of source material that has so much information about their characters. Yeah. Hi, Lola. Yeah, everybody does a great job. I mean, Gareth Sinise... You saw the anger in his eyes before he lashed out at everybody. Oh, and then when he was told that his friends were, everyone was dead, flippantly he's told that everyone is dead that he came with. And the anger and pain in his eyes, as in the, and like being a dude that's trying to keep it together too, at the same time, is just so physical, not just in his eyes, but in like every, every muscle. It was really great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the reason why the book is almost exclusively always better than the movie, Mm -hmm. but this, this does a really good job. Yeah. Everybody, breaking news. (laughs) I don't think it's breaking news if you just found it out. Rob Lowe has deafness like me. He's exactly deaf like me. He's got hearing losses in his right ear. He's been deaf in one ear since he was an infant. Me too, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, it's me and you. I'm so excited. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I'm very excited about it. And he's so famous. Did he get it from the same reason? Yeah. Well, a viral infection in where he had undiagnosed mumps. This is interesting. So Rob Lowe you says... You vaccine for mumps. Yeah, there. the most likely cause was the undiagnosed mumps, a viral infection that in rare cases can lead to hearing problems. I had the vaccine for mumps, measles, and rubella, and it's an incredibly rare reaction. It's like, <laughs> it's very low. You found an article of people with hearing loss that came up as Bill Clinton. I don't think yeah. it's hearing loss. He just doesn't pay attention to his wife. Oh, boy. When she says, don't cheat on me. Okay. <laughs> okay. You want to tell them about the stout you're drinking? Oh, yeah. Another Brewer's Brews? Yes, uh, from the Milkshake Stout from Rochester Mills Beer Company. It is delicious. Delicious. I've had this a time or two, and it is very, very, very good. Don't you have a nice wife for bringing that to you? Yes, very nice. See, I wouldn't, <laughs> I'm not like Bill Clinton. You listen to your wife? I hear you, and, <laughs> and don't cheat on you. <laughs> it's good. I'm... I'm glad. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> Rob Lowe is playing a deaf and mute person, and in his dream, he can hear. And I was just trying to remember where that looked familiar. That wasn't in one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, the same concept. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, the mute person that can hear in his dreams, and it's taken away by, uh, you know, bad guys. Oh, there's fire. Okay. So there's somebody that's coming. The dark man. The dark man. The general has killed himself. It was interesting. He kept looking over and over at one screen, and it was of a cafeteria worker 
hunched over and fallen on it that because uh, they'd all piped in the poison into the into the the facility including the cafeteria workers and he killed himself watching that he couldn't stop looking at this and he has a sign on him that says guilty mm-hmm. you think well, it's guilty yeah yeah well, maybe not him personally but the people there yeah, yeah. They, Rob Lowe has stayed in the hospital stayed in the jail to take care of this dying guy but it's interesting to see that guess the main characters are the ones that aren't getting the plague yeah and so it makes sense that they would be the main characters yeah because I think things will continue after the plague with those people you think is that what's called the stand is the plague not even like the whole part of this I thought the whole thing was the plague Oh, no. Is it just the people that are left over alive killing each other? Is that, no. like, the main thing? No, it's, you'll see. it. Oh, my gosh. I can't go into this. This is going to be a nice treat for you. Okay, well, you let this dog out, and then we're going to continue on. Well, John. Yes. I think that I have found another jump scare to add to the list. <laughs> Yeah, that really got you. That scared the crap out of me. I don't even know. I can't quite remember out my whole list. But that was so scary. So Gary Sinise is stuck in this, like, Virginia medical... Oh, no, Vermont medical facility. And he has had a fever dream about Mother Fremont... uh, Mother Abigail. Abigail. uh, Telling him to come with all his friends... Mm-hmm. Um, to come see her because they've got to get started. Yep. The facility, like, it's been t- 15 days. Government's done. Yeah, everything's done. Everything's done. There's, like, it's chaos. Everyone's dead. There's a guy that has electricity fingers. I guess he's the dark one or whatever. The dark man. And the dark man, he killed a deer with his fingers, and then he also killed the, uh, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yep. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yes. Okay, I didn't want to just massacre the. I think he's credited. He's credited as the shouter. The shouter. That was good. The guy is just screaming, "Bring out your dead!" And then he's saying, "The the dark one's here!" And he snaps his fingers and has glowing red eyes. And Kareem Abdul Jabbar dies of a heart attack. But we've got Gary Sinise over here. Like so, he's there. He wakes up from his dream and. The doctor just wanders in without the clothes on because he's got it and everyone is dead and he's brought a gun because he's upset that some West Texas hillbilly, it's not hillbilly, but basically this like kind of like, you don't deserve to live when all the good people has died. And he's like, you guys are the one who started it. And he's like, that doesn't matter. And so they got into a big fight and Gary Sinise, you think would be a Strong enough to... You would think so. But to, the, the doctor's bigger a than him. sick old doctor. But he's sick and old. He's sick and... Well, he's not that old, but he's definitely mm-hmm. sick. And then, like, he gets out of the fight. The doctor has hit his head and is bleeding in his head or whatever. He's got the gun. Um, Gary Sinus gets the gun and he's, and he's out in the, like... In the area between the place he's... He's staying in a hospital facility. So there's, like, a clean room in between his room that he's in and the outside room. And so he's in the clean room, and it's. I was just thinking, like, how creepy that room was. And I was expecting the guy to have jump scared before and, like, grabbed him by the ankle or something after, after he went to get the gun. But instead, we're in this creepy room, and it's creepy because it's, like, 
the suits are all up. Yeah. And no longer being used, obviously. So, like, the, the suits that they use to get into to, like, clean, to not get the disease or whatever. And it's just a narrow room. And Gary Sinise is in the foreground. You can see him thinking about something, about what to do going through. Should he go through the exit or whatever? And it's a small area. And then suddenly, creepy doctor shows up again to go, rah! <laughs> yeah. I screamed. You full on screamed. And I think <clears throat> I but the music too kinda like had this really the the sound effects on this are so good. The tension level was so high. Yeah. They've used music really well in this movie. Yes. Or mini series, I guess. Mini series. I've gotta say, like here's three more three more episodes of this. Yeah. I thought it was like the whole thing was the pandemic, and this is actually after the pandemic. Basically, the pandemic. I mean, everybody who's going to get it and die seems to have got it and died. Yeah, and everyone that survived survived. We've only seen people. Let's see. Let's see. Count them off. Got Gary Sinise. Yep. From East Texas. We in in mechanic. We have Molly Ringwald, who's caring for her ailing father, who dated a poet. I guess we've got, and she's in Maine. Um, Gary Sinise is in Vermont. Uh, we've got... Who else was it? Oh, the blind and deaf Rob Lowe. Yep. No, I'm sorry, deaf and dumb Rob Lowe, who is in Arkansas? I don't remember where he's he is. He's in Arkansas. I don't remember where he is. And then... Is there someone else? Are those the three? I think that's the three so far. Okay, so we got Molly Ringwald and Gary Sinise. We've got Rob Lowe. These are three ones that are alive. Yep. And they've all been around bad people, except for Molly Ringwald. The two guys have been around bad people. They're going to meet up at some point. Because they've got to bring all their friends to, to Nebraska. Ab- yep, to see Mother Abigail. Mother Abigail, we got to get started. Yeah, the dark man is coming. The dark man is coming and is scary and has the ability to just kill you from far away with electricity. So I don't know how you can fight him. Well, let's we'll find out. I guess so. Well, John, we had your Bruce Bruce. Yes. I've just been drinking fizzy water um, after my after my Gatorade was up. And let's have a little bit of a grocer's corner. It's tough on this one because there's not... I mean, it was a made-for-TV miniseries. So I think not, it might just be me showing up in a, with a mask on my face. That was pretty, pretty gross. <laughs> I think my grocer's corner is still that kid I saw oh. last night or two nights ago with his blood on his face. Because that was in my in my real life. We're expanding Gross's Corner. Um, I don't know. I think that... I think that it's pretty gross. Uh, all the people dying in like a puddle of their own drool and vomit. Drool and vomit. And there was the um, the cafeteria worker that was in like a pile of beans. Yeah, or some spaghetti uh, or something. Yeah, something. That, but it was weird because it's like face down in food. Okay, because they're cafeteria worker. But the food was just in a puddle on the... There wasn't on yeah. a plate. I don't know what the plan was there, but man, uh, makeshift pillow, makeshift pillow beans to die on. Mm, I die um, on a pillow of beans. <laughs> I don't know. I think that gross in general is the is the bad guy that beat beat up the deaf and blind guy oh, for that no guy reason. Was such a dick. Like it was a jerk. It's a jerk corner. It's a big old jerk. Um, I'm certain. I'm certain we're gonna run into gross people as well. Um, maybe the mother. Oh, you know what? The neck. So, 
Oh, that's who it is. We missed the, um, there's the singer that was going to be famous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Larry Underwood. Underwood. Yeah. So Underwood, um, he'd gone to get his mother some NyQuil. And so he's he's alive, too. I'm sure he's going to be a part of this, too. He's alive. And he was actually taking care of his dying mother. And she has this, like, really long neck just as a human being. Some people have long necks. And and I'm sure it's quite elegant neck. But they had, like, done the makeup on this neck. So it was like, it's just because she had a beautiful long neck, She the makeup on the neck was wet and gross. And, like, I mean, it didn't look like makeup. It looked like her skin. Yeah. I've got to say the makeup and the special effects are on point for this. Yeah, very subtle, but yeah. very realistic looking. Yeah, just like when people have sheens of sweat yeah. on top of their mottled skin that's like almost see-through and blotchy and stuff like that's very impressive and very gross yeah it's very well done i mean it's a great story from the book oh my gosh an amazing cast they are amazing the cast amazing um the music is amazing i've got to say like in the sense that okay it does look like a tv movie but not really like we're watching it on a fancier tv than we would have had back then but it's still in standard definition yeah. four three format yeah it, it looks aged a little but it doesn't take you out of it once you get into it a little bit no and it's very easy to get into it but i've got to say that shot of you know the shot of inside the when i have my little jump scare of inside of that little creepy room that could have been an alien, you know, like, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was an amazing, beautiful shot. Yeah, for the for the time period, it was really good. And I think that they used set pieces very well. I think it was like, you know, when it when they showed the East Texas gas station, I was like, yeah, this looks like East Texas. <laughs> you know, this looks like desert, or this looks like, oh, it's a nice main house. You know, it all looks like that, right? Yeah. So... It's a very cool thing. I'm not liking this dude with the horns up here and the picture still. I don't know what's that thing sticking up behind him. I thought it was. Oh, that's sti- part of the A, I think. Oh, <laughs> it's like I was like, it's got like some kind of weird hook thing on his back. Yeah, it's just creepy, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, John, I want to hear from people. Okay. And I want to hear, have them tell us what they think of the podcast. One of the ways they could do that is to rate and subscribe on iTunes. And review. And review, because there's only one review on iTunes, and it's me. Oh, well. <laughs> it's a, it's a five stars. Oh, but is it? It is. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. But I would also like to hear from people in general. How can, if, if, if that were to happen, if people wanted to contact us and ask and share their stand stories or their pandemic stories. <laughs> Well, they can go to up to and including death at gmail.com. Or the website is up to and including death. Dot com. Dot com. And the socials are all up to and ID with the number two. Yeah. And that's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. We noticed that there was a little spike in activity recently, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're glad to have you. Yeah. Hope we uh, haven't alienated everybody. Probably have. Yeah, but you know, like for the for the twelve people that are not that are my family members, hello, I love you. I don't think I don't know. I know there's like a few of them. My uh, sister in law Charlene had the funniest joke. She's like, "This is an all new level of stalking. It used to be just Facebook, but now I've got this podcast." Because I was like telling her something that had happened, and she's like, "Oh, I know that was on your podcast. You talked about it there." So hi, Chucky, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> 
She was awesome at the wedding. Yeah, she was. She, like, kept feeding me grapes and making me drink water <laughs> and, like, being like, this is, calm down, like, let's focus on the thing, think about John. I was um, like, yay! She was so good. I was kind of, I, I know you can't imagine me being worked up over it. Uh, no, not at all. No, with my personality and anxiety issues. <laughs> Let's just say the anxiety meds were not at a high enough dose to deal with the wedding. But they're I'm pretty fine now. Yeah, for the most part. I'm, oh. I'm a lot more chill, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Well, I think that's all All we got to say is um, stay scared. And stay married. Goodbye. The intro and outro of our podcast is Fire and Ice Rock Mix by Stefan Kartenberg. Copyright 2017. Licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. Thank you, Stefan.